preparation in the Word. And could you put your fingers and hands together? And while you do it, say praise the Lord several times. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Oh, wow. Has God ever brought you through surgery? Say amen. God ever help you pay a bill? Say amen. God ever help your family? Oh, come on, come on. God ever given you a financial miracle? And, and that's not just because of that. If he, he never did anything else. We are here to praise God. God made us to praise Him. And when we praise Him, we get lifted high. Amen? Wow. And while you stand, I want you to prepare for the Word. But I want to observe in this service also that the wonderful revival we experience doesn't just happen because we have a revival calendar-wise. But a special appreciation. Before you go, choir, I wanted to note you one more time. Every evening and Sunday, this choir came at least an hour before, as, as quickly as it could, to sing and rehearse and practice and get it right, and get the sound right, and the sound and the, all the other things taking place. And it took an extra sacrifice. But every evening we were visited by the Spirit of God through your music and your worship. Thank God for you. Thank God for you. Give, give Him a God bless you. Amen. I'm sincere. I pray God keep blessing you. And aren't they so colorful? Yeah, I love it. Love it. God bless you. Remain standing as they, as they uh, descend, but remain standing. And let me also say, ushers, hospitality team, uh, nursery workers, security team, parking attendants, uh, media people, every, everything. And I'll, I'll forget somebody. All the groups that every evening made ministry possible and made it easier for you to come and go. We thank God for them. Please, in the book of Acts chapter 2, please, I want to go exactly where the Spirit led me to on the heels of this revival celebration. I'm taking you now to a place that may be familiar to many of you, but the familiarity doesn't diminish its power. It is the book of Acts. It's chapter 2. It's on the day of Pentecost after the Holy Spirit was poured out on 120 people, at least 120, who had waited on the instructions of Jesus per His instructions for the coming of the Holy Spirit. To give you the context, and I I know you're standing, but let me just give you the context. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, in the context of His crucifixion, His burial and resurrection, His appearing 40 days after He rose from the dead, To many witnesses, he said to those, especially close to him, I'm going away. My bodily, physical presence is going to be gone. By my witness, I have paid the price for your salvation. My sacrifice, I have paid the price. I have conquered death, hell, and the grave. And John 14, 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. The way I am, there be also. I'm not telling you when I'm coming back. He is not coming back on December 21st, 2012. I don't care if the Maya Indians predicted it. I don't care if scientists can confirm it. That's not the date Jesus is coming back. Because he never announces the date. Can he come on that date? Yes. But he hadn't announced that date. Okay? So he could come before you leave service today. 
I'm not telling you the day or the hour. It's been over 2,000 years since he said that. But I want you to be ready all the time. And I'm going to give you something to help you to be ready. I want you to spread the good news about my coming. I want you to win many people to me. I want to give you the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit is the same person. The King James uses Holy Ghost. Other renditions uses Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to help. He said to the disciples, the disciples are thinking, you're going to leave us? Well, what are we going to do about food? Because you fed the thousands. What are we going to do about the storm? Because you calmed the storms. Can I get an amen? What are we going to do about the dead? Because you raised the dead. Jesus said, I am sending you another comforter. He is the Holy Ghost. And while I was with you in my body only in one geographical place at a time because of my physical body, when the Holy Spirit comes, He'll be everywhere omnipresent. And you shall receive the power until I come, or as long as you live. Verse number 38. Then Peter said to them, Repentant, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Speaking of the gift of the Holy Spirit, verse 39, For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, I'm probably going to do about three or four lessons on this baptism of the Holy Spirit or the power of the Holy Spirit. Today's lesson, however, I'm calling unsurpassed power. I need the energy of the Holy Spirit to do this again. And you need the energy of the Holy Spirit to keep you focused and filled. So, so give me about 30 seconds of your prayer. Would you, would you reach your hands this way? Because when we pray together, it produces unity and it produces results. Pray with me and for me. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the beautiful singing. I believe miracles have taken place as people worship God. Lord, it's the last day of the month. It's summer still. I know those people, some have traveled. Some are away today. Others have come in in both services. Wherever people are, God, if they seek you, may they find you. But we're seeking you right in this house, oh God. As Pastor Jeff told us earlier, God, we're not just here by chance. You have ordered our steps today. And I pray for a visitation of the Holy Spirit upon me and all of us. Say amen if that's you. Well, God, not everybody's on the same page and the same level of spirituality, but we all believe in the same Jesus Christ, so we hope to believe if others don't. I pray for a visitation, oh God. I don't want to be an entertainer, and I don't just want to occupy some time. I don't want to bore the people and bore myself, but we need the fire of the Holy Ghost to burn in our lives, to purify us, energize us. Do it for everybody, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen, and you may be seated. Pastor J.C., who normally does our announcements in each of our service, was preoccupied in the second service, couldn't make the announcements because of ministering to a family. And so those announcements that I want you to use and know about is in the worship folder, especially water baptism coming up in the not-too-distant future and our small group ministry. But right to the Word. So we have enjoyed six services from last Sunday to Wednesday of powerful men of God. It was God sending a rain from heaven, a, a wonderful Holy Spirit rain to refresh us. Can I get an amen? Oh, I love refreshing rain, like the one that came through our, ho- our house in our area, maybe yours yesterday. It was probably about 30 minutes, but it was a good downpour and refreshing, and it just made everything come alive, although the humidity seemed to have gone up after that, but rain. The Bible talks about the power of the Holy Spirit and revival power as rain. It talks about the rain that God sent in the Old Testament when there were seasons of revival for Israel. 
That's the former reign because we no longer live in the Old Testament era. We live in the New Testament era. Now this is the latter reign. Can I get another amen? This is the last day. God is going to revisit this world before the coming of Jesus as he is in some places and here also with another outpouring of his Holy Spirit for those who are thirsty. Can I get an amen? And so in saying that, we get seasons of blessings and we wonder how can we sustain it? We, we, we come and revival refreshed us and blessed us and the word of God was alive, the music was alive and we wish that we could stay in that aura all the time. There are times when I'm in church and God is moving in such a wonderful way, I, I, I don't want to leave because I'm so be refreshed and I, sometimes hot he, tears roll down my cheeks and they're not grieving and mad and upset and, but they're tears of happiness. How many know that that's a kind of expression from God? Oh, sometimes I, I forget, uh, I come in and I forget the things that I brought in that were distracting and worrisome because the Holy Spirit gets my attention and bathes me and I just want to stay there. And I, I tell you that we need to find a way or discover a way or always remind ourselves of God's way to keep our revival going personally in our lives. You see, I, I have come to, to understand life and living in the spirit and in the flesh. I don't have all the answers. But, but I'm pretty convinced, I'm, I'm more than pretty, I'm 100% convinced that, that the only way to be a victorious Christian consistently is to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. In this course of lessons, I'm going to teach you from the Word of God that there's an experience at conversion known as the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost moves in you when you get saved. Can I get an amen? You cannot get saved. I'll teach this as we move along. No one can get saved without the Holy Spirit taking what you've heard from the Word of God and applying it to your heart and helping you to see your need for God. No eloquent preacher, no PowerPoint, no movies, no, no, no chorus and no praise team and no band and no kind of illustrated sermon, all of which have their place in teaching the Word, can bring us to Christ, except the Holy Spirit says, after we hear it and see it, that's you. And I want you in my kingdom. I want to wash away your sins if you'll let me. The Holy Spirit does it. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we need God or that we already belong to God. So, so I say to you, that God has this unsurpassing power to keep us after we're saved, to move us from being filled with the Spirit to being baptized in the Holy Ghost. And so this is where I'm headed with these sermons, and especially as we move along, I want you to know that, that there are two works, initial works of the Spirit, more than just two. The first work of the Holy Spirit, why Jesus left and said, I'm, I'm going now to send the Holy Spirit, his first work was to convict of sin and lead to Christ. Can I get an amen? Everywhere Jesus went, he went preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He would no longer be here. He commissioned his disciples to preach the gospel. He said, I'll send you the Holy Ghost, and he did. And, and he says, the power that you need will come from the Holy Spirit, Acts 1 and 8, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Can I, can I get an amen? And witnesses of me into all the world. So the Holy Spirit is given to us to have power for witness, but it's given to us to have power. Secondly, the second work of the Holy Spirit is to have power for service, for serving God, for living for God, for living above the temptations of our flesh 
and the enticements of the world around us and the attacks of Satan. The Holy Ghost is, has come to give us unsurpassed power. Okay, let me see if I can simplify it. For me, I need to simplify it. If you were to buy an automobile, or when you buy an automobile, or a major appliance, or an electronic item, or a computer, or something of that significance and scope of cost, usually the salesperson upon your purchase will not conclude the sale without offering you the option of a maintenance plan. How many, when you go, you know it's coming. Yeah, you know it's coming. Okay? And Clark Howard said there's some you shouldn't buy and there's some you should consider. Okay? And the maintenance plan says about that item you just spent so much for that it already should last a long time without you buying something in addition. Can I get a witness? For X amount of dollars, with certain conditions and terms, the maintenance plan is supposed to guarantee the durability of the product and its effectiveness. And many times, because we don't want an interruption of service from the appliance or the automobile or the computer we bought, we don't want an interruption of service, we make the extra sacrifice and spend a little more to buy the maintenance plan. To bring that from the realm of the natural and the realm of the Word of God, I say to you that what I know about this walk with God is that immediately after you are saved, Satan will leave you alone for a short while. Until the excitement of the newness of your salvation and joy wears off. Follow me. Even after you get a good blessing in the revival like many of you receive. Even after you get a refilling of the Holy Spirit. Satan will back off until the initial thrill diminishes. But eventually, because he's a full-time devil. Eventually... He will be back to his old schemes and devices which he uses to distract and destroy all those who belong to Jesus. Eventually, if you've been saved for a long time, or you just recently got saved and filled with the Spirit recently or for a long time, eventually Satan will bring back the old lifestyle and try to make it attractive to you. The, he will even bring to your mind's imagination some of the pitched people you used to hang around with that are still out there luring you back. He may even put some of the emotions and sensation and taste in your flesh that says, you remember how good it used to be? And remind you of places and things which you know it's a place of bondage and captivity and God has set you free from. But Satan will try to drag you back from the nasty hog pen where God found you and washed you up and cleansed you. And he'll try to get you back into the place of sin. And you need a good maintenance plan. Better than a good maintenance plan, you need unsurpassed power from the Holy Ghost. In John chapter 14 and verse 18, Jesus said about the coming of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit, same thing. Upon his departure and the anxiety of the disciples about, oh my Lord, what are we going to do? You are gone. What are we going to do? Jesus said, I am not going to leave you comfortless. I will come to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Another, uh, another rendition of comfortless 
is, I will not leave you orphans. I will not leave you fatherless after you're saved. I will give you the Holy Spirit. I will not be a deadbeat dad and never show up. I will never be a deadbeat dad and not pay the bills and take care of you and run around and be gone forever and forget that I even had a part in your being birthed and alive. But I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. The Bible says about the Holy Spirit upon him coming to you. He shall come upon you and shall be in you. Oh, help me, Jesus. You know, as I study this and help me, Lord, I'm reminded of... uh, Acts 1 and 8, and it's on the screen. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the end of the earth. Would you say the word power? Power. Would you say it more powerfully? Power. Power. Yeah. Uh, look, Look at what he says about this unsurpassing power. Luke 24 and 49, it's on the screen. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry, wait, in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And while I've done this study before, some time ago, the Holy Spirit, upon preparing for this lesson, took me back to to look up this word power and what it means. And before I get into that, let, let me say this to you. This is the power Jesus promised everyone who is born again. Can I get another amen? Because Peter said in our text, for the promise, the promise of what? The promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of power, for the promise is unto you and your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, meaning be saved. If you can live with power, why live without it? If you can live with extra energy and God's maintenance plan, which is the Holy Ghost, why live without it? Now, let me tell you about this change. Jesus said that when he gives you power, there'll be power to change. You might note this. I don't have it all on the screen. Power to change. How many know that sometimes you have a capacity to change for a length of time, but if you don't sustain it with God's maintenance plan, you go back to the old ways? Change. Change is good in many ways, but change is often hard to sustain. I speak of myself. I have been on numerous weight loss plans. I've lost more hair than I have weight. I I have been on weight loss plans because I need to watch my weight and eat right and do right. I've been lifetime members of two or three plans that I need to go back and revisit. Because the the initial excitement and the initial diet, the initial change, and the initial first few weeks of losing the pounds feels good. Looks good. I got clothes in my closet that when I had lesser pounds that I'm hoping to fit in one day. I do declare, the older I get, the tighter my clothes get. I mean, no, that ain't true, you know, enlarge our territories, but that's another sermon. In order to stay changed, I got to keep up with the plan. Can I get another witness here? I mean, the same is true if you've given up an addiction or a habit or a destructive habit. Or you can go and you should go to counselors and you should go to therapy and you should go to a recovery program. And you're in the midst of other people who are being changed while you're being changed. You're in the midst of people who have testimonies like yours. They bring out the joy in you. They bring out the drive in you. If you do something like that together, you're usually stronger. Can I get an amen? But once you finish the 90 day or the, the six month program, you may run on your own strength for another 90 day. But unless you stay the path and the course, you don't have the power to maintain it. But 
Jesus said, after you're saved, I am going to give you the Holy Spirit where all things are passed away and all things become new. I will make you a new creation forever. Give the Lord some praise, somebody. Jesus gives us the power to grow through the Holy Ghost. What say grow? The Bible says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you came to church this morning. A little more growing. A little more word helps you to grow. A little more prayer helps you to grow. A little more Bible reading helps you to grow. A little more scripture memorization helps you to grow. A little more giving and serving with your talents help you to grow. But the Holy Spirit helps you to grow. Oh, can I get an amen here? I, I, I tell you that, that if you are no deeper with God than when you got saved, whether it's last year or, or, or 30 years ago, and your, your uh, walk with God has become a drudgery and a ho-hum, it's not God's fault. I said it's not God's fault. We, we, we must revisit the Holy Spirit in our lives and ask Him to do it. Oh, uh, oh help me, Jesus. Uh, let, me, let me tell you something else about this Holy Spirit. Jesus promised the power, the power to be consistent. Consistent. James in the New Testament says about consistency and inconsistency. He says to Christians, but be not tossed about in your walk with God and your doctrine, your belief, like a, or like the waves of the sea. James says about inconsistency, a double-minded man or woman is unstable in all their ways. Inconsistent. I've pastored long enough and preached long enough to see people blow in and blow out in church. I've pastored long enough and preached long enough to see trends in Christianity blow in and blow out. I've pastored and preached long enough to see people uh, chase after sensationalism and personalities and emotions only to be disappointed after a while and they're chasing something else. The Word of God says that God will give you the power when you feel like it to serve Him and when you don't to serve Him anyhow. God will give you consistency when you don't feel like praising the Lord, but you make an effort anyhow. He'll bring His glory. Oh, help me, Jesus. I don't want to be mean. You may not know this. It's been four weeks since I preached from my own pulpit. That was planned. That was orchestrated. That's part of what I preach in other pulpits in that time. I've I've never gone in 26 years. Of being the pastor of this church, never going four Sundays in a row and not preaching in this pulpit. Never. I might have gone two Sundays in a row. And I've been around. But I hadn't. Because it was, it was revival time. It was, oh, you know. And here I am. Like in this pulpit. Chomping at the bitch to tell you everything I know in the last month. <laughs> see, see, I'm your shepherd. Okay, I brought those preachers in because they are, they are men of God. We need some. They, they evangelists and pastors. They, they don't know this flock like I know it. See, they come in here and they bless you and I want them to bless you. But I'm married to you. Yeah, I'm married to you. Yeah. I, I, some of you have been with me 26. I, I've seen you at your best and you've seen me at my best. And we've seen each other at our worst. Yeah, I, I, I'm not no hireling up here. I, I'm a shepherd. I, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm married to you and I ain't about to give you no divorce. And one of the things I want to see in all of us is more consistency about the things of God in our lives. Sometimes I wonder if I'm pastoring a church with a revolving door. 
Some people just revolve in and out, in and out, inconsistently. And wonder why God's not answering their prayers. You know, I don't mean to be unkind. We need some people at South Metro Ministries like the First Baptist need and the Assembly of God need and the Presbyterian need and others who are trying to do the work of God who will be consistent in their attendance, consistent in their tithe and offerings, consistently singing in the choir, consistently being an usher or a greeter or hospitality or nursery or youth work or children's work, consistently reading the Bible, consistently praying and fasting and giving their offerings and working for God and not just coming to the house of God to get an emotional high while everybody else does the work. We need the Holy Ghost to help us to be consistent. David Jeremiah, who pastors Shadow Valley uh, Community Church out in California, who is a wonderful writer and a great minister of the gospel, and I love to read his stuff. David Jeremiah was speaking this week on the, on the radio, and I heard him, and I, man, I got back to, I was just about three miles from the church, having made a visit out somewhere, and, and uh, and I heard him, and I got right back to the office, and I got on the, on the typewriter, and I said, I don't want to forget this. He gave an illustration about consistency and inconsistency in the church and how we need the Holy Spirit. Now, he wasn't preaching about that. He was preaching about something else, but it applied to where I am today. And I, he, he said, he gave the analogy of the hitchhiker. Hitchhiker. I mean, for a ride. Here's the hitchhiker's mentality. I want to ride. And I want you to take me where I'm going as far as you can take me. And if you have to go out of your way, I'd appreciate it. But I want a free ride. Can I get a witness? I'm going to stay up here. Uh, the gas for this ride, almost $4 a gallon, you'll pay. But I want to ride. Uh, if there be a payment in this car you're driving, you make the payment. I just want to ride. I'm a preaching little Indian. Uh, you have to pay insurance for this vehicle or else you can't stay on this road. So you pay the insurance. I want to ride. Now along the way, you have to change the tires on this vehicle because they're not eternal. You have to change the oil. And, and you're going to have to take care of the maintenance of this vehicle. I just want to ride. I don't want to hear your sad story. I just want to ride. And if while we ride and you get in a wreck, I'm not liable. I'm out of here. But if I opt to sue you, I will. Because you gave me a ride and you wasn't careful. <laughs> I feel like you think I'm putting you on a ride and I'm not. That, that, that's, that's the mentality of the world. Somebody else pay for it. Somebody else insure it. Somebody else pump the gas in it. Somebody else take a, and just, just leave me alone. And that's what has happened in the church. You folks build the next building. You folks make the mortgage payment. You, you are the folks. You pay for the, you pay and bless the staff. And you pay for the utilities. And you make sure the church is clean every time we come to church. Make sure somebody has cut the yard and trimmed the hedges. Help me here. You, you, you folks out there, you, you, you be in the nursery and, and change the diapers of the little ones. And be in the children's church and teach them. And you, you all do the prayer meeting. And you folks, you all do the marriage ceremony. And you all do the funeral. And you do the hospital visitation. And you do the jailhouse visitation. And you do the nursing home visitation and you send the ministry and you do all that. And when I want to come, just make sure I'm happy and I'm comfortable because really what they're saying is, I just want to ride. That's preaching. God help us to be so full of the Holy Ghost that we don't just want to be receivers, we want to be blessers and givers. Some Christians have a PhD. 
and complaining. I, I don't mean to be mad here. And you probably wish I hadn't preached for next month, but I'm, uh, I'm telling you. One of my reluctance in building another church, why it took me over two years to obey the Lord and His timing to build the next sanctuary, and we're headed there, thank you, Jesus. One of my reluctance, however, is when I tell the Holy Ghost, how can we build a church when people are so inconsistent? I'm not mad. Maybe I am. Uh, I'm just saying, God filled Christians with the Holy Ghost. Listen to me. I want you to like me, but I want you to love Jesus. I want you to like the church of God, but I want you to love the house of God. I, I want you to like the children's ministry and the youth ministry and the choir. And when you, when you feel like things ain't right, would you first pray over it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? And when you think like things are not right, would you take it to the Lord? And then, when, then when, you, when you take it to the Lord, would you say, God, would you help me to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem? I want to be consistent, God. And again, I'm telling you, we need the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost to stick. The Lord, here's another thought about why Jesus said he would have this power. He wants us to be real. Real. You ever talking to people, you know, they're giving you a bunch of, uh, huh? Yeah, look at them and say, just be real. Just be real. You know, just, just put it to me. You know, don't dress it up. Just, just be real. The evangelist on, on, on Wednesday night, Brother George Moxley, was making a reference to Facebook. And he called it to Facebook. And he's right. Because you'll find a lot of people take Facebook and they type in all kind of stuff in there about somebody they don't like or some criticism or something negative or something. And then, and then when they're confronted with their, what they typed in by the person or the person being accused, then they say, oh, no, 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 ah, that must be some kind of typo. That wasn't me. It's two-faced. I don't, I don't mean to be unkind at all, but how can we do God that way? He knows us before we come to church and He knows us while we're in church and after church. I may not know you and you may not know me and I may be two-faced and I hope to God I'm not. But I'm telling you, we can't fool the Lord. We can't live like the devil on Saturday night and come here on Sunday and expect God to bless us. We can't sleep with somebody else's husband or wife during the week or, or, or shack up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend in college or single and expect to come here and say, God, why aren't you blessing me? Help me here. We can't take God's money and God's tithe and God's offering and wonder why God won't help us pay our mortgage. We cannot be two-faced. God will not bless us to be inconsistent and hypocritical. But, oh, God, if you'll give your best, if you'll pray, if you do your best and everybody forsakes you, God will send the Holy Ghost with unsurpassed power. Oh, help us, Jesus. Wow. Well, well let, let me show you something. In my, and I've got to wrap it up here in a few moments. In my study of this unsurpassed power and this word power, I came across this understanding. In our English language, there's only one word for power. But in the language of the New Testament, which is Koine Greek, there are five words for power. And these five words, which I'll be very brief with now for the next few moments, helps us to appreciate the unsurpassed power that God gives us to be real, to be changed, to be consistent, and to be a new creation. To keep living for the Lord. You know, what I've discovered as a, as a Christian is many times I live below my level of power. Many times in our natural life, we live below our level of power. We have, we have 
technology and equipment and such that if we haven't taken the time to explore, and because we don't know what it can produce, we live below the level. I'm still trying to figure out my cell phone. I am the world's worst about technology. Man, you know what cell phones can do? I hope you ain't doing it on yours right now. I mean, they're, they're powerful little tools. I mean, here, folks, they're already on iPod and iPad, and I'm still trying to figure out the cell phone. I mean, we got folks on Facebook, and we got folks on Twitter, and we got folks on email, and how I many you know only Twitch, Twitter? Oh, okay, don't, 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 don't. All of that has this advantage. All of that's technology. I, what, I, I see other ministries. I say, God, let us, uh, what we're working on here is to get live streaming of our service. I want us to be, and I want us to use all the technology and all the social networking for the glory of God. If the world can use it to do other things, I want, I want, I want to get, I want to know all the power, all the media, all the technology, all the ways that I can spread the gospel for the glory of God. Amen. And so, why not make available, let me hasten here. The first word is the word, the Greek word dunamis. The word dunamis is probably the most familiar of the words for power that we have in the New Testament. Because from the word dunamis, we get the English word dynamo. And so we get the word dynamite. Well, come on and say amen, somebody. And the word dunamis means inherent power. Power resident. Power resident in someone or something. Can I get an amen? Wow. You know, I think about immediately about my boyhood and my youth. I used to like to watch the show weekly, Incredible Hulk. Y'all remember it? Yeah, raise your hand. He used to be young. Uh, and the Incredible Hulk, wow. You know, it, uh, he had this inherent power. He's just an everyday guy. But you push his button the wrong way. Wow. I mean, it, it, it's like every person in school who is being bullied wishes they could be the Incredible Hulk. I mean, I had those times when I wish... Oh, <laughs> shorter people... Less muscular people whose uh, talk can't match up their physique, which is they could be the physical, the, 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 the incredible hawk. And so he, he was usually, you know, you had, to, you had to push him. You had to, you had to, you had to. Now see, I picked the wrong guy. He slapped me the first time. Let me go right here. Uh, no, no, you, you had, you push him. You talk, and, and something like, and man, you think he's just going to walk away. But next thing you know, he walked in the corner somewhere. I'm way out of sight. His eyes start turning green. His flesh, his bicep makes about three times larger. His upper chest, (laughs) big. He's about five, nine in the natural. Bill Bixby, was that the guy? And Lou Ferrino, I told y'all I saw that. I told y'all I saw that. Man, he'll come out from that corner. He's about eight feet tall. He has turned green. You ever had anybody say, I'm so mad I turned green. And I tell you what, he picks up that little wimp who bullied him around and throws him on the next planet. little exaggeration in my preaching. And the reason he could do it is because he's supposed to have this inherent power. Well, all that's not true. But it is true about the Holy Ghost. The devil shows up like a roaring lion, seeking whom he devour. The devil threatens your marriage. He threatens your health. He threatens your finances. He threatens your children and your grandchildren. He threatens to kill you before time. And he causes you to run in intimidation unless you are hooked up with unsurpassed dynamite, dynamo power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody thank God for that power. The, the second of the five words is Energia. The Greek word is energia. It, 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 
It's the root word from where we get our word energy. Energy signifies operative power. Overt power. Outward power. Energia means strength. Or energy that performs, acts, or does something. Wow. You know what I thought about first? About energia and energy? I thought about electrical energy. Wow. How many of this is a no-brainer, but I just say it as an illustration. You can have the best appliances and the most modern electronics, but if it's electrically charged and powered, you get nowhere without you plug in in to the outlet. Can I get an amen? This, this is a sort of a, a, an energy that performs, but you've got to plug in. You know how much stuff we depend on for getting our day going that is electrical? I get up in the morning, first thing I do is brush my teeth. It's an electric toothbrush. Yeah, big time. <laughs> then right after my electric toothbrush, I, I go to shave my face and my electric shaver. Has to be charged up because I got more face to shave than most of you men. Ah, more face. Got to have a lot of energy. Right after I put down the shaver, I, I, I get the trimmer. And that's electric too. We need to plug in. We can't get our day going. And while you're thinking about me, let me say something to you ladies. Those three or four curling iron that you caused the circuit to break in the house and that curlers you got going at the same time, you ain't going, you mad as a hornet. You can't, that ain't plugged in. And, and for the others, if you got to have your caffeine, you already got your clock time about 15 minutes before you get up. So that coffee. Electric. You pick up your cell phone and you had in charge all night before and it's low. You ain't talking to nobody, not even your mama. You got to plug in. And I tell you all that to tell you that that's what the Holy Ghost says about it. You can come to church and you can be dry as a cracker if you want to, but if you'll plug into worship and plug into praise and plug into prayer and plug into lifting your hands to God and plug into fellowship and plug into the Word of God, He will give you energy. I've got to hurry. Kratos is a third of the five words that we get for power from the New Testament. Kratos means force, strength, might, especially manifest power. You know what I think about manifest power? You know what I think about? I think about tornadoes. Do you know a tornado could be so powerful that it could take a pine needle, a pine needle, church, and like a bullet... Pierce it into the bark of a tree. Something that you and I couldn't even nail into a tree. The power of the wind. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. North Georgia. Joplin, Missouri. All this year. Kratos power. Tsunami. I gotta hurry. Japan. From an earthquake that led to a tsunami. Japan is still reeling and rocking. Now, I'm not saying that the Holy Ghost is a destructive power. I'm just saying that the Holy Ghost has power and strength and force to take negative stuff against you and bless you. Two more thoughts and I'm going to close. The fourth word for power in the New Testament that tells us about what Jesus meant when he talked about unsurpassing power is the word ishkas. Ishkas. It means endure, endowed strength. A power 
given to you. Can I get an amen? Wow. The world will give you some power sometime that will corrupt you and destroy you. But the Lord always gives you power to build you and bless you. Uh, Samson. Come on, brother. Samson. You remember this. He had this ish, ishkas power. He was a man of normal height and stature. But God raised him up to be a Captain Wonderful. Mr. America. Superhero. Only for comparison's sake. By way of his power. He was to be a powerful man of God. But the mighty feats he did can be compared to what we see superheroes supposedly are doing. What am I saying? I'm saying that when the power of God came upon him, he could take an, a lion, his bare hand, and rip his mouth apart and kill him. When the power of God came upon him and the enemy came around him and he found the jawbone of a donkey, decayed, dead jawbone of a donkey, he took it and killed 1,000 Philistines. When they tried to lock him into a city and capture him so that they could destroy him, his enemies did, he took the gates of the city that was about a ton in weight and carried them off a high distance. And I, I'm saying to you this morning, God, through Jesus, said, I'll give you power over all the powers of the enemy. One, la one last word. Wow. Exosia. Exosia is the fifth of the New Testament word for power, which means the freedom and right to act. In Luke chapter 24, verse 39, 49, Jesus said about the Holy Ghost that he wants you to have. Baptism. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued, E-N-D-U-E-D, -E endued with power from on high. Come, praise team. Now, now look at me, listen to this. The word endued, as I looked it up again this morning, in the original language, means to be clothed. Can I get a witness by faith here? Amen? Clothed. Do you know that there are people in our government and in positions of authority... That one of the indications that they are in a position of authority is by the kind of clothing or uniform they wear in their position. Please, would you say amen by faith? When you go to the courthouse, it's not hard for you to discern when you go in the courtroom who the judge is among all the people in the courthouse. Aside from the fact that he's a little more elevated in the courtroom than anybody else, you know that he is the judge because he has a black robe or she has a black robe or some kind of different attire from the ordinary people in their street clothes that says, I am the judge, I am clothed, endured with the power to be the judge. Can I get an amen? Same for a police officer. You take me my everyday attire, and I go to a busy intersection, and I see there's a need for some traffic control, and I go out in the middle of that intersection four ways, and I begin to raise my hand and say, you stop and you go. Somebody get on a cell phone. You want to see a little Indian get run over? <laughs> but, but here's what happens. If I were to go and buy a uniform, and it was all legal, and it was all right, and looked good, and all, and I had a uniform, even if it, I mean, I didn't even go to school, okay? 
And I'm not minimizing the police officer. I'm just saying that you, a police officer is trained, prepared, etc. But you, you acknowledge him at the intersection. You don't say, as this gentleman is a captain in, in the police department, probably promoted more beyond that. I don't remember this. But, but Brother Will is a police officer, and among other things, okay? And, and so, but, but what you happen is you don't go up to him at the intersection. If he's got his car there, and he's got his whistle, and he's got all the other things, and you say, uh, show me your police certificate. Where'd you go? How long will you stay there? How can you shoot? Man, he'll shoot you if you get in the way. Not just shoot you like that. I'm just saying you obey him because he is endured. He is attired. He's dressed. And I'm saying to you that for too long we haven't had the clothing of the Holy Ghost and the devil's put us on the run. Help me here now. When Satan comes against you as a child of God to attack your body, your marriage, your mind, your finances, your joy, or your health, when he sees you clothed with the righteousness of God because you're full of the Holy Ghost. Clothed with the anointing of God because you prayed up and you read the Bible and your sins are forgiven. When he sees you surrounded by angels like our pastor showed us on Wednesday night. When, when he, you see, you don't have to have a, a judge robe. That's the right place for it to be. You don't have to have a police officer's uniform. But you can be clothed in the power of the Holy Ghost with the exousia, the authority of God because you're filled with the Spirit. Give the Lord some praise. Give the Lord some praise. Stand with me, stand with me, stand with me. Oh, blessed be Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Raise your hands after you stood. Raise your hand in thanksgiving for the power of God that's available to us. Come on, come on, lift your hands in thanksgiving. And after you've stretched a moment and you recruit your, uh, your strength, come on, open your mouth and say, Thank you, Jesus, for the power that's available to me. Thank you, Jesus, that I am not here without energy, without the dynamite of the Holy Ghost. You've given me this gift, and I want it today more. Come on, give him a little more praise, a few more seconds. I want him to come down, but I don't want us to just kind of casually go there. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, husbands, praise him. Wives, praise him. Sons and daughters, we are all sons and daughters. Oh, moms and dads, come on. Grandma, grandpa, teenagers, single people. I praise you, Jesus. Oh, God, I, I, I want the power, Lord. I want the power. Thank you, Jesus. Tarry with me a few more moments. Unless you have an emergency, you may put your hands down for a moment and bow your heads. This is where I'd have all the intercessors, all the intercessors to pray. Matter of fact, all you altar workers and you prayer partners, come and stand in the altar facing the church while I offer this invitation. In the name of Jesus, your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. And they're coming in a position to be a blessing to you. Let me say this to you. As your head bows and eyes closed, you cannot receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Unless you're first born again by the blood of Jesus. God will not give you the Holy Ghost. Such a precious gift for you to be inconsistent and unfaithful and blown in and out. He will give you the Holy Ghost. When you say, God, I can't change myself. I can't save myself. I need you to change me and save me. I want to be your child. I want you to be my master. If you're not born again today, while I preach on the unsurpassing power of God, I'm going to tell you that all of us here are on a path where one day we'll stand before God. Whether we stand before Him in the rapture or we stand before Him because we precede the rapture with our death, we will face Him. And He wants to say over you, well done, enter in. If you're not born again, if you've been inconsistent, if you've not been real, if you've not been growing in the Lord, you say, Pastor, I need saving grace of God reapplied to my life. I want 
You, as you pray this morning, Pastor, pray for my salvation or rededication. Nobody's looking. Would you raise your hands and acknowledge your need? And I won't beg. I'm just going to ask you one time like this. Raise it up all over the church if that's you. Oh, thank you. Hold it up for a moment. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Numbers of hands. Put it down. Pray, saints. Pray. Those of you who already saved, even if you're not up here as an altar worker, you are, you are part of the team that God wants to use to help me invite people to Christ today. Pray. Pray, Christians. My Father, thank you for leading us. You say, Pastor Allen. I don't understand everything there is to understand about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I thank God I have the Holy Spirit. But if there's more, I want it. If I, if, if I can have the dynamite, the energy, the creation of God, the strength of the Lord, if I can have the authority of the Lord, and I can live more powerfully, Pastor, I want to be either filled for the first time or refilled with the Holy Ghost. Pray in this prayer for me also. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Come on. I'm not going to single you out. There's many. There are many hands. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Put them down, please. Oh, I bless you, Lord. Now look at me a moment. I want everybody to repeat, repeat this prayer after me in unison and in sincerity. With sincerity. Because God already knows whether we mean it or not. But I know you mean it or you wouldn't raise your hands. Would you lift your hand? The posture to heaven is like I'm reaching out to touch God. Would you tilt your head toward heaven? Perhaps close your eyes and repeat loudly after me, Lord Jesus. Today, I realize that I live below the power you have for me. I begin, Lord Jesus, by confessing I have failed you at times. I have sinned in knowing what's right. I have done wrong. I confess that I need you. Come into my life, Jesus. Move out the old and bring in the new. Fill me with your spirit. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I confess that you, Jesus, you are my Savior. Live in me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And Lord Jesus, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the first time or again. Give me the power to change and stay changed. To grow and not to shrink. Give me the power to be consistent and not to be tossed about by every wind that comes along. Today, Lord, I want to hunger for you. I want to thirst for you. I want to serve you. Fill me with your spirit. I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together and praise Him. In a moment, they're going to sing and we'll depart in just a moment. Listen to this. Here's what the Holy Spirit says. And I know I've gone longer than I should. Listen to me. If you really want Him, He'll nudge at you today. Look at me and hear me now. If you really want Him, He will interrupt your day by your television viewing, by your CD listening, with your iPad doing, your computer, or out with a grandkid. Nothing greater in my life than the grandkid right now. But He'll say, Alan, Jeff, David, come. Lay aside that remote. Lay aside. Come and spend a few minutes with me. Get to know me. Pray to me. Read scriptures to me. You see what I'm saying? 
He's going to call you today to plug in to power. If you'll do it, you'll be changed. These people are standing here now as part of our dismissal for you if you need healing, if you need to be anointed and prayed for your family, for your finances, for your children, for your health, for salvation. If you got saved this morning, and several of you, numbers of you, about 10 or 15 of you, raise your hands. Come and affirm. Say, I prayed to get saved today. And let them give you a, a little material to take with you so you could be blessed. Oh, Jesus. Now I want you to sing. One more chorus. I don't want you to leave just yet. I want you to sing it with me as an act of praise and worship. Then I'm going to let you go. It'll be well with you. Three more minutes. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands. Sing to him. Sing to him. And if you're coming for prayer, it'll be okay to come now. Come on, worship the Lord. Patronize me. Make me feel good. Turn to your neighbor and say, plug in today. Plug in. Sing it. Plug in today. Hug some neck. Shake some hands. Come to the altar if you need it.